Welcome to Healthcare Beat, a healthcare podcast brought to you by Seiparth Shaw's cross-disciplinary healthcare team. Each beat will focus on key industry trends and the latest developments while identifying practical takeaways for those in this space. I'm Adam Lawton, partner in Seiparth's corporate department and host of Healthcare Beat. Let's jump in. Today, we're joined by a partner in the D.C. office, Jim Newland. And Jim is, is unique among our past guests because in addition to being an attorney, he's also a licensed architect. And our topic today is going to be construction issues and project delivery for healthcare projects. Jim, welcome. Thank you, Adam. It's my pleasure to be here today. Jim, the healthcare industry and its needs in the United States continue to grow and expand. And with a lot of this growth, that means additional construction projects. You work in both transactions and disputes related to construction in a variety of fields, including healthcare. So what are the main issues that you are trying to help your clients solve? Well, Adam, on the transactional side and on the litigation side, the claims and and disputes arise from a couple common themes. So on the transactional side, we negotiate contracts that minimize the risk of changes, differing site conditions, and design defects. And on the litigation side, we deal with those claims when they can't be settled or avoided. And then claims for increased cost to deliver the project arise mainly from those three categories we just mentioned. But in addition, there are delays and lack of labor inefficiency claims that result from changes, differing site conditions, and design defects. Sometimes owners forget that changes are the norm on construction projects. For instance, there's really no such thing as a, quote, no change, end quote, construction contract. But the quality of the design and the owner's desire to make changes and the uncertainty of existing conditions in in projects that involve renovations certainly drive the claims and the need for clarity when we're negotiating the contracts. And then finally, healthcare owners can implement different project delivery formats to try to address or minimize the occurrence of those risks. So you were talking about different project delivery formats, and, and I'm aware there are a couple of different models out there. One, maybe the most prevalent currently is design, bid, build, or DBB. Tell us how that particular format works, and is that always the best fit for healthcare projects? Sure, Adam. Conventional design, bid, build projects have been around since the dawn of time, we would think. They're still relevant, but they're mainly used in a couple of scenarios. Um, One, when there's a less complicated medical office building or less complicated renovations to a large hospital or healthcare complex. Sometimes there are procurement requirements, for instance, government funding may be involved, which may mandate a certain delivery format, such as competitive bidding and conventional design, bid build. And then finally, sometimes owners aren't well versed in the other formats, such as design build or a form of alliance contracting. The design bid build delivery format relies on either a firm fixed price or sometimes a guaranteed maximum price. While it places most of the risk of cost growth on the contractor, it's seldom a, quote, no change in price contract, as I mentioned earlier. For instance, there are still contractual mechanisms for changes, delays, and differing site conditions under the typical contract clauses. And finally, in design, bid, build, there's really no collaboration on the design and certainly not much in terms of investigation of the existing conditions, such as soil quality or existing construction behind the walls or above the ceilings, for instance. 
and the result is a somewhat defensive posture among the contractor, architect, and the owner. Now, if we turn to another format, design build, right? Not design bid build, but design build bridges some of that gap in that the contractor and the architect work together to produce a design in concert, followed by the construction process. So this is more of a collaborative effort that focuses on the contractor designer team. It doesn't necessarily involve the owner to any great extent, but the designer and the contractor work together under one contract with the owner. The pricing mechanism can be different. It can be a firm fixed price. It can be a guaranteed maximum price, or it can be a cost reimbursable format. So in design build, the level of collaboration between the contractor and the architect and, and perhaps key subcontractors and consultants typically results in a less contentious, more organized project delivery, but it may not result in better quality or lower costs as the architect and the owner's interests may not align. Certainly the contractor or design builder and the owner's interests don't always align. Great. And can you tell us a little more maybe about some of the more collaborative models you were mentioning? Certainly. And they're key considerations for healthcare delivery projects and other contexts such as manufacturing facilities, such as the auto industry. But in the United States, we have integrated project delivery, which is a form of alliance contracting. And that's a project delivery format that engages the owner, designer, and contractor teams in a structured collaboration. So what I mean by structured collaboration is that there's an alliance formed between all of the key members of the design and construction and ownership team. The structure of that alliance contract varies from a simple collaboration to forming an organized business entity, but at least involves a single contract to which the owner, contractor, key subcontractors, the architect, and key consultants are parties. Compensation, or framed another way, the cost, the ultimate cost to the owner, fluctuates with delivery cost and timing, right? There are typically contract incentives. That's a key aspect of integrated project delivery, which translate into additional fee and profit from a shared pool of savings up to a capped maximum fee. So in other words, we have an alliance with all the key team members, including their key subcontractors and consultants, and we come up with a mechanism that allows them to make more money based on the extent the project is successful. And we'll cap those fees that are pulled from the uh, shared savings pool, if you will. In that way, the team is aligned to work together to deliver high quality work and minimize the risk of additional costs, delays, and ultimately claims and disputes. It's not a panacea, it takes some work, however. So integrative project delivery involves a fair amount of commitment of time and energy with a good potential for reward on the right project, and perhaps most importantly, where the team members are committed to participate. Particularly when we have seasoned team members, it's gonna be successful. It's not only used on very large projects anymore, it can be used on smaller projects, but again, owners need to invest the time and energy in making it a meaningful process. So are any of these issues, I guess, you know, special or particular healthcare industry, is there anything that healthcare owners or designers in particular need to be looking out for? Yeah, I think with healthcare projects, we do have a lot of renovation work. We have our fair share of new hospital facilities or additions that don't involve too much interface with existing facilities. But given the cost of healthcare projects, there are a fair number of renovation projects. 
And when owners embark on those types of projects, they need to make sure that both the designer and the contractor are obligated to review and research the existing conditions. In other words, the architect needs to get out to the site. It needs to review what's behind walls, the existing structure. Very important are the existing mechanical, electrical, plumbing, and medical gas lines to make sure the design team understands what's there so that they can prepare adequate construction documents. And then the contractor team likewise has to investigate those conditions. And the contract terms need to reflect the fact that they have the opportunity to investigate those conditions and take them into account. And then another key point I think to remember, Adam, is that owners should think carefully about contract clauses in the design contract that deal with the designer's obligations with respect to any rework and cost increases arising from errors and omissions. No projects are perfect, but I think owners need to be mindful of the fact that we hold our designers and contractors to a high professional standard. And maybe this is the perennial question for all types of discussions these days, but how have some of these issues that you deal with changed or developed because of, you know, the past year and in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, I think, I think I'd mentioned two aspects here, Adam. We certainly have heightened requirements for all projects, right? Dealing with limiting the transmission of COVID-19 infections, but certainly the renovation of occupied hospital and outpatient care facilities requires much thought and planning to minimize the risk of contamination and transmission of disease. In other words, we have to have adequate planning, we have to have adequate precautions, and that typically translates into cost and time and inefficiency claims. Secondarily, I think what most owners are looking for when they come to us are contract terms that deal with COVID-19 impacts. And that's particularly important now that we know a lot of the impacts. We know that supply chains, for instance, may be impacted and labor availability may be impacted. And owners need to be aware that they shouldn't sign contracts with blank checks for just any COVID-19 impacts, particularly foreseeable impacts. Contractors may seek to include language that says, there will be COVID-19 impacts and we'll be entitled to a time extension or cost impact. And my view is, well, let's wait a minute. We know that there will be COVID impacts and we're relying on you to take the adequate precautions to arrange for proper supply chain, proper material deliveries, that type of thing. Of course, if there are unforeseeable impacts, certainly a time extension and or a cost increase might be appropriate. And on the flip side, contractors need to make sure they're protected in the event of unforeseeable impacts. So, Jim, you've you've given us a great deal to think about and a lot of great recommendations. I mean, if you had to to boil this all down into two or three key takeaways or recommendations for our listeners, what would you say those are? Well, Adam, I think I'd say first, look carefully at the particular project, its risk profile and complexity in terms of design and construction with a view towards determining the best project delivery method. There isn't a one size fits all. It's kind of a spectrum, if you will, of the various delivery formats and how they might be best suited to a project, but certainly give that some careful thought in consultation with your legal counsel. Make sure you have adequate internal teams or outside consultants to assist in managing the design and construction process from the owner side. Things can get technical and complicated, and you need to have the right team members to to work with the design and construction teams to keep things flowing smoothly. And make sure you pay careful attention to all of the key contract clauses, such as the changes 
differing site conditions, and disputes clauses. Those clauses are all malleable. They can be changed even if you're dealing with a form contract and make sure you understand the risks and account for them in the contract terms. Well, we'd like to thank Jim for his time today and and helping us understand these really complex issues. And thank you for joining us today for another edition of CIFARTH's Healthcare Beat podcast, bringing you the latest developments and pressing issues in healthcare. So you'll never miss an episode. Be sure to visit CIFARTH.com where you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or SoundCloud. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star rating and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. We look forward to having you with us again soon.